Welcome to the Expat Cast. I'm your host, Nicole, and somehow we are at the end of season two. We're also at another landmark. We're actually at a couple different landmarks. <laughs> so this is our 50th episode. We're also reaching 10,000 downloads, and we've been at it for a year. It's officially the anniversary of the Expat Cast. I just want to take a moment to say thank you guys everyone who has listened who has recommended the show to a friend who has left a rating or a review to everyone who has emailed or messaged me to say that they like the show give me a little encouragement give me a little feedback that's also been really cool a lot of you guys have given me some really helpful constructive feedback oh including that i talk way too fast which by the way i've been wanting to address I'm so sorry to people who are listening to this as non-native English speakers and probably also to some native English speakers as well. I am a chronic fast talker since I was a kid and it's been really problematic in Germany because as I'm trying to learn German, I still can't slow down my speech. So my pronunciation would be fine if I took the time to pronounce things, but no, I just barrel through full steam ahead which is definitely also symbolic of how I approach life. Um, and yeah, I'm really trying. That's one of the goals that I'm setting for myself for season three is to be more mindful of that and try to slow myself down. So <laughs> thank you guys for that feedback and for all the other feedback you've shared. And I would love it if you keep it coming, the good, the bad, everything, the topic ideas. Thanks also to everyone who has reached out and then come on the show. I think that's been the coolest thing is so many people have reached out to say, hey, I'm a listener and I'm having this or that experience and it would be cool to talk about that if you want to do an episode. That has also allowed us to then get to talk face to face. I mean, typically over Skype, but still face to face. <laughs> get to know each other a little bit more and make this whole thing feel like more of a community. I know a couple people who have become connected to each other through the show. There have been a couple other podcasts that got started in part inspired by the expat cast. There have been people who were able to really use the resources from our more resource-based episodes. It's just amazing and wonderful. And I'm really, really excited to keep going with season three. So that being said, if you guys have any ideas for what you would love to hear more of in season three, let me know. And if you're one of those people out there who has been listening on the fence about if they want to come on or not, please, please reach out. I promise it's not as scary as it seems. So with all that said, let's round out season two with our Ask the Expat episode. I am one of those people that just loves problems. I mean, I don't love having them, but I like talking about them and trying to figure them out and trying to solve them. It's a nice little challenge for me. So I was really excited to do this episode to try to take on some of your questions, problems, etc. Because it is so different from what we've been doing so far, I would love to hear your feedback specifically on this episode because I'd love to do it again. And I'd love to bring in different people to be the co-host, to give their insights and perspectives, but only if you guys want it. So let me know. But okay, I keep getting ahead of myself. Back to the present moment. Here it is, the season two finale. So my name is Stacy, and I grew up in Los Angeles, California, in the States. And at the moment, I live in Freiburg, Germany. For actually a year this month, 
And I lived here once before in 2016 for about nine months. So first question, we're going to dive right in. How do I make friends in Germany? And I think we can interpret that both as general friends, maybe friends from your country that you came from or, or yeah. expat friends, as well as local friends. So in our case, Germans. I feel like it was easier in my circumstance to find foreign friends, so people that are not from Germany, uh, because I started teaching English here. And through that, one of our fellow friends, she came up with the idea that we kind of form a English girls group. So it's a mix of ladies from the UK and from the United States. Uh, we met from working at an English school together. I think we all worked there at various at times. Yeah. Other than our, our one non- native English speaker friend in the group um, who comes from Lithuania and she yeah. just kind of also got roped in through the claws of friendship. <laughs> yeah. So that's the closest friend group that I think I've created here. And it really helps to kind of have that taste of home. But as far as German friends or people from other countries, I think having a German partner makes it way easier because... Uh, you can kind of get to know German people that way and then branch out from there. Yeah, I definitely would second this whole English ladies group. And I also want to shout out that friend that started the group because she she's become very German. She's, she's taken on a lot of German tendencies, including that she's a super planner. So she literally just like had this idea was like, oh, I have all of these single friends that I'm meeting up with separately. Why don't we make it a group? And so she yeah. was like, okay, we're going to be a group. We're going to meet on these dates for the next four months. It's once a month. We're going to have girls night. And it was yeah. just like this scheduled out thing where it was this force of power where on one hand, I was like, okay, that's not how I made friend plans in the States. Yeah. But also on the same hand, yeah. I'm like, no, this is great. This is, it gave us this like structure and this expectation that we'd build kind of. Yeah. And then from that, we were able to develop. So I would say if anyone has that situation where they have one or two sort of individual friends, just try bringing them together and it might snowball, you know, it might help build a larger sense of friendship and purpose. Yeah, German friends are hard to make though. <laughs> they are harder to make, but from my experience, uh, now I'm working at a company where I work with primarily German people and the people I work with are really friendly. So I think it's helped to communicate with Germans through my job. I've also... On Facebook, there is a Facebook group for foreigners living in Freiburg. And I know that other cities have this as well. And I think that's a really great way to meet new friends and a mix of people from different countries and also from Germany. That's something to look out for. Uh, search the city that you're in or you're going to be moving to and see if you can meet people there. And also if you have questions, maybe they'll be able to answer it. Yeah, I made one friend through that group who introduced me to her one friend from that group, who introduced me to her entire group of friends, and that became a second group of friends that I've had. So I think just like putting yourself out there, even when it's super uncomfortable, like doing yeah. things that you would not do in your native, in your in your home country, the, the whole experience of being abroad is just different. Um, so you have to put yourself out there in weird ways and, um, and letting that really chasing that snowball effect you know like I've also yeah. been out to dinner where I've met someone and been like okay we have no real reason to like see each other again but you seem cool so let's 
throw it, it out there. Yeah. And I think a lot of people are feeling the same way. And so people are really receptive. Yeah. The one thing I hear from a lot of people is that to meet Germans, you should join a Verein, a club. I was just going to say yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> That's one of those things that you hear and it totally is true though. Yeah. I mean, the people I know who have the be best connections to Germans, it's through a common interest. Yeah. So those would be my recommendations for how to make friendships. And I think also just putting yourself out there, not just physically like going to things, but also being open. Like I know we've only have known each other a couple months, Stacey and I, but I think we've both been pretty open about like our life experiences and outlooks. And that's really helped yeah. us like advance to feeling this closeness that maybe in any other circumstance you might feel like uh, still this new person. Definitely you know? <laughs> take longer. Yeah. Yeah. Question number two, could we run down the different visa options for Germany? So I thought we could just start by talking about the different visas that we've had. Mine's short. I'll go first. It's not that interesting. Okay. <laughs> I came over on a work visa for a Bundesfreiwilligendienst, which is a federally sponsored gap year, essentially. It's, it's for Germans. It's not really for foreigners, but it is open to foreigners. You have to speak German to some extent. So I had a B1 level of German at the time, and I was working at an American cultural center. So that was enough. But most of these positions are in hospitals and different community centers so you really would have to know even more German like I was really pushing it with what I was at so I don't know that I could really recommend that for a lot of people but it's out there it's good to know it exists there's also an FSJ um Freiwilliges Sozial ja something like that I don't remember they just call it FSJ FSJ um and it's the same principle and I think that you could also do that as a foreigner so so for me that was all taken care of year one with that I did have a temporary extension of my visa, but that was because my, my contract was up. My visa was then up, but I was on the job hunt for jobs in Germany and they said, that's fine. You can have a couple months to, to try to figure that out. So it wasn't an unemployment visa. It was just a an extension of basically they're acknowledging that something else is in process and it's a short term solution. So I had that for a short period of time and they have two versions, ones where you're allowed to travel internationally and ones where you're not. And I had the one where you're not. So like, I was stuck in, like, I couldn't leave Germany for a month because yeah. my visa, quote unquote, was a piece of paper printed out on, like, recycled paper. <laughs> it wasn't even the nice stuff. And I was like, I don't trust this. I don't think any policeman is going to accept it, but we'll see. Anyway, um, then I got another work visa, but this was through my normal, which is my job. And... That lasts for two years. Um, the job contract's unlimited, so I just would have to keep going back to the office to renew it. But um, if you do get a job offer, it's pretty easy to get a job visa. And there is a qualification yeah. that you have to say why this job was not going to a German, but that never was an issue. So when, when I read that qualification, I thought, oh no, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. Yeah. But it turned out I was worrying about that way more than anyone else. Like that's not that big of an issue for Americans. Like, I think this kind of stuff is where it's that gray zone where maybe it's different depending on where you're from. I don't know. Or maybe depending on the job you're applying for as well. Yeah, that too. Maybe the job you were going for was they need, they had open <laughs> vacancies. Yeah, right. Yeah. And I think in my field in libraries, like America is one of the world leaders in that America, Finland and Denmark probably. Yeah. So it made sense that it was, it was attractive to Germany to have someone from one of those countries doing it yeah. but um, I know in the U.S. those those kind of visas are only given to like engineers software developers these loftier careers and yeah I wasn't yeah. thinking that me as a librarian would qualify but I did so and what about yours? I've been on two different visas the first one was a student visa 
I actually came to Germany just with my boyfriend at the time just to visit and then we decided to stay and I didn't know how I could do that uh, and I knew I wanted to learn German at that point because at that time I didn't speak a word of German so I ended up applying for a full-time school to learn German so it was about five hours a day Monday through Friday and with that that qualified me for a student visa so I applied within Germany for a student visa and it was also how you kind of were stuck inside with the piece of paper I I couldn't really leave the country because my travel visa had expired but I hadn't yet received my student visa so if I would have left then I wouldn't have been able to have it but because I had applied before the 90 day I think it is the 90 day period for traveling which to shortly interrupt is also another technically that's another visa so if you're from certain countries you have to check online if your country is on this list you can travel to germany and stay for 90 days without essentially without a visa like they just stamp your passport but it technically is a form of visa i'm not positive but i think that's actually going to be changing in a few months at least coming from the states um you will have to have a actual visa that you apply for now I think they're trying to protect from people coming in and out however they want. So I do think that's changing. Okay. Yeah. So keep, if you're, if you're interested in that, keep checking that. Cause of course that's how, that's how a lot of people come and they figure it out from there. Yeah. Um, but you don't want to show up in the airport if that's not true anymore. Yeah. yeah so I would just double check yeah. just in case. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I, I had the student visa the first time and that allowed me, I'm not quite sure, but it did allow me to work a certain amount of hours. I think it was a 450 euro job, which in Germany, usually most people are allowed to make 450 euros a month untaxed. That was the option with my student visa. And then now I'm on a marriage visa. So I got married a few years back. And when we decided to move back here, I was able to just apply for that. So we had gotten married in the United States and then we came here together and it was really easy. I know that it's a different process. Had we been married here, I think the paperwork was more difficult, which was part of the reason we chose to get married in the States. And then coming back here, we just had to go to, I don't know what the technical term is for it, but we just had to go to the office Uh, where we register our marriage and that was enough and then I was able from there to go to the foreign office and tell them we wanted to stay and then they gave me all the paperwork to go to German classes and do a orientation course on the country which is a requirement. And I think that the marriage visa works both as um, if you are married to a German as well as if you are married to someone who then gets one of these other visas in Germany. So if you're for instance, we have a couple friends who are two Americans, but the one came over here for work. Um, yes. They're married, and then the uh, the partner is able to come over too. And that's, I think, a family reunification visa. Same yeah. thing that goes with kids. There's also, just to run down a couple other options that we haven't personally experienced, there is a visa for researchers, which I know nothing about. I've never met anyone who did it, but the internet's no. telling me it's a thing. You can get an unemployed or like a job-seeking visa, but you need to have certain other requirements so that's not you couldn't just show up and apply for it but if you were already working in germany and then had some issues they do grant unemployment on the job hunt visas 
Um, and do, oh, did you never have a freelance visa? No, I was just going to say, oh, I think wow. there's freelance visas, yeah. but I never had to have one. Okay. No. I find those to be one of the easier ones to get. Like if people are just interested in moving to Europe, moving to Germany, and they're not as worried about like a relationship or a job, uh, like a certain career path, the freelance visa, you just have to prove, you have to bring in paperwork showing that you would make a certain amount of money. I guess the frustrating part is that they decide what that amount of money is based on the cost of living in that city. So even if you're very frugal uh, and you think you can live on this, you have to meet their requirement. But if you can have paperwork from, for instance, language schools, if you're going to teach English, you just need to show that they would give you enough classes to meet that money and then you get the visa. And I know a lot of people who are on that and it's relatively easy. I mean, getting the paperwork in order is always a mess, but it's not it's not too expensive or too challenging. It's it's doable. And there's a lot of English teaching jobs here. So yes. like it's not so hard to get yeah. that kind of visa. And qualified and unqualified too. Like even if you don't have a degree in teaching or in English, yes. you can do different certifications and, and dive in. There's also a student visa for like college, university, um, student internship visa if you're doing an internship in Germany, and even a long stay medical treatment visa. So those are the different options. We're not going to go into all of them in depth, but that's kind of an overview of what is out there. Um, Next question. How does public transit work? I feel like it's much easier than the States and many other countries I've been to. I know it can seem intimidating, but public transport is so easy to use here. I mean, they have buses and trains within Germany going anywhere. And here in Freiburg and in most cities in Germany, they have what's called a Straßenbahn, which is a street train, and that will take you throughout the city, any intercity. It doesn't matter if it's smaller. Most smaller cities also have it. Yeah. Some of the bigger cities also have undergrounds, so Berlin, Munich, and some others, yeah. Um, And I I haven't been to many cities in Germany um, outside of the South, but what I've experienced is there's not like a person who checks your ticket on the way in to the train, they just come through now and again to check it. So I actually was really confused when I first moved because where I'm from in Philadelphia, the regional trains, you could always buy your ticket on the train. The conductor would come through. If you didn't have a ticket, you just bought one. So I, for a while, was riding without a ticket in Germany because I just thought someone would come through and make me buy one and that would be fine. Luckily, I didn't get caught because if I had, I would have gotten fined 60 euros. What you have to do is even if no one's there to check, you have to go buy your ticket. Um, Some tickets need you to validate it. So if you have like a punch card, you have to punch the date on it so they know when you're using it. And then if they do check, then you have to show it. Yeah, and that also applies for the street trams, the Straßenbahns. When you're in cities, you also need to get a ticket. You can go to like a a center where you can buy them or all the trams will have them on there. So you just look for the little kiosk on the tram and then you can buy um, a daily ticket. And they have multiple languages on there. So don't worry if you don't speak German, you'll be able to change it. But what's important to know is that even after you get your ticket, you need to take it to one of the little boxes. You'll see they'll be near an entrance and you need to make sure that you also get it punched. Exactly. And also, this is a small difference that I'm sure everyone would figure out with common sense, but the doors don't automatically open and shut. You have to press a button <laughs> yeah. and then they open, which did kind of trip me up at the beginning. <laughs> Even when you're exiting sometimes, just yeah. be aware. And 
buses sometimes they check the ticket sometimes they don't so that one you kind of just have to read by context if everyone's going to the front of the car then you should do but sometimes they open the back doors and when it's heavy traffic time you can kind of just come and go and again then it's on you it's kind of a trust system that you do buy a ticket and you should I feel like with buses here in Germany, if you kind of want to do spontaneous traveling, it's really easy if you go online and you can look for, you know, you can type in local buses or even type in the first location and where you want to go to. And even the day before, you'll be able to find buses. But if you're trying to do it more in a budget, then just make sure with buses and trains that you're booking it if you can a couple months in advance, because there's definitely a difference in the ticket price. Yeah, that's so true. It's like plane prices, like Flights. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And that's for the buses that are like intercity buses. So yes. there's also a different, like they're, I guess, in, I, I learned this in British English, it's coaches versus bus, buses. I didn't know there was a difference. Yeah, um, I didn't either <laughs> until yeah. I learned this. And the, yeah, so there's the local ones that go within the city. Those are um, sort of typical, like in any bus system. But then there's also this like, you know, in America, it's like the Greyhound bus system. And here they have these like intercity buses. And those are the ones where the price does change. So buy in advance. Okay, next one. What are some tips for getting a job in Germany? We talked about this a little beforehand and we actually had totally different interview experiences. So I have another episode where I talked about like the paperwork that I personally had to hand over to get my job. Um, So if you're interested more in that, then I'll link to that in the show notes. Um, we're going to take this one on more as in terms of winning them over, like getting the interview, getting the job Yeah, in the interview. Exactly. So mine was really almost like stereotypically German. It was like they had a list of certain questions. They would ask every single person the same questions. There was no, you know, going off script except for, yeah, sometimes there was, but generally you could tell they're trying to stay on the, on the questions. They were very specific to the job they were very specific to your qualifications well to the qualifications that they were looking for this was also a difference it wasn't tailored to my resume it was tailored to the job and then it was my job to like bring in the examples whereas in the states interviewing a lot of times they will scroll scroll through their resume and say oh i saw that you did this and that so let me ask some questions about that i didn't experience too much of that and these interviews were only scheduled for 30 minutes and there was no follow-up interview. Like, this was the whole thing. That really freaked me out. I had this one 30-minute segment to win them or lose them. <laughs> and I honestly... It's very German. Yeah. I, I kept expecting, like, isn't there going to be a second-round interview where we get to know each other more? But no, that was all they needed. So I, you know, the good side, the side of a good interview, they say, is that it lasts longer than it should have. Mm-hmm. And I was able to do that in some circumstances. But you could tell they didn't really want it to be too much longer than it was supposed to. But you got the job, right? <laughs> the one that we talked for a long time, we yeah. did. Yeah. And that was also the one where they went off script more. Um, and so there was more a feeling on both sides, on my side as well, that this is going well. Whereas other interviews I had, they really did stick to the script. They seemed to like me, but there was not sparks, I suppose. Yeah. From the interviews I've had and also from speaking to other Germans, that when when I was living with my husband in the States and he was going for an interview, he wanted to wear jeans and a button-up shirt. And I said, oh, no, 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 you, you have to wear dress pants. And he didn't understand why. And maybe this is him, but no, I've also is spoken to other Germans. Such a good point. They're, 
nice clothes to them are also a nice pair of jeans with, you know, just a simple blouse or a simple button-up shirt. It doesn't have to be suit and tie attire, which was definitely different from what I was used to. Yeah, for sure. They even try to show up to like weddings in jeans. Like, yes. (laughs) Such a good point. It's such a different expectation of what you're going to be wearing. But I would say it still doesn't hurt to show up in your version of the best, you know? So if you want to suit up, go for it. Yeah, don't don't take that as a, a dress down kind of notion, but yeah. Yeah. Um and what was your interview experience like? Mine was definitely different. Mine was way more laissez-faire, but I do want to preface that with saying that uh, the company was a startup, so it was maybe a different um a different vibe cuz you work for it through the government, right? Right, exactly. Yeah. So that might be why, but Mine was they they just wanted to know more about me personally and what my hobbies were, what I like to do in my spare time. They did go back through my resume with me and ask me about individual jobs that I've had. And I did get a couple questions about, um, do you think you can do this job and why? And um, a couple specific questions about the topic of marketing, which was what I was going into. They asked me a few questions if I knew what the the four P's of marketing were. Um, but other than that, it was very personalized. We we talked about like experiences that we both had and I felt like it was more talking to, getting to know an acquaintance than yeah. it was being in a job interview. Yeah, and you said a yeah. couple other people have had that too. Yeah, so it's not, another one you know. of our, our girlfriends who works in a school, she had a very similar experience and from talking to other German friends, their experiences were also way more relaxed and wanting to get to know who they were as a person. I find that so interesting. And also there is this German directness. So I have another yes. friend who's on the job hunt and she said at the end of her one interview, the, the person interviewing her said, you, I really wanted to hire you. Like this seemed, you seem like such a good personality, but you just don't think logically. So it's not going to work for this position. And, she, and they don't mean to be mean by no. that either. So don't take it offensively. No. It's not a mean thing. And you can also, so some of the direct feedback I got with my interview experience is I was applying for jobs below my qualification since my German wasn't great. Yeah. And I thought I could work my way up. And they, at the end of the interview, told me I'm way overqualified for the position. They can't even really consider me for it. They told me to come back because they had this other job open that was on my level. And I came back to that. And then they were like, no, your German's not good enough. So I was like, okay, well. (laughs) Where do I fit in? Right? Yeah. So just be prepared. That could happen. Like you might be trying to level yourself in a certain place and they might be really not accepting that. And that's also just part of how the workplace culture is here. Yeah, it's very It's very direct. And I think, yeah, we had totally different experiences. I think the thing to do is really research online in your field. See if anyone's written about it. Ask around. You know, you can just find someone who has worked in that field and ask them what their experience was like. One thing I, I would add, though, when I was writing my CV and my cover letter... So if if people are used to writing resumes here in Germany, they do it a little bit differently. They like to add a personal picture on to your resume, which was something that was kind of weird for me. And another thing is it's not uncommon to write if you have a family and children. So I know in some countries it's it's almost inappropriate for the workforce to ask you that. But here it's not an awkward thing. And also in an interview to ask you about your family. Yeah, some places that's illegal and they expect personal picture, marital status, birthday and place um, and hobbies. And as you said, they might really ask you about it where, oh man, 
I remember in German class learning German in the States and I was like, why do they keep asking us, making us practice? How do you say your hobbies? I was like, I don't really have hobbies. What are you talking about? And then you get here and it's like, no, literally everyone really wants to know about your hobbies. Yes. And they expect you to have a, an actual resume for your hobbies, which should be included in your professional CV. So it's weird, but just go with it. Yeah. And they don't necessarily have to all be related to your job. It can, they just, sometimes they want to see that you're a person that's healthy and, you know, likes to do sports or to get out yeah just say you like hiking they love hiking (laughs) they love people who like to hike (laughs) all right next question is what have you guys brought with you to germany that you can't get here slash how would you approach that topic so do you remember the like when you're packing in the states how do you how do you think through what you want to bring with uh yeah i definitely I think about food and clothes, (laughs) but that's just me. I find it hard to find clothing here. Secondhand shopping is hard to find here. They do have flea markets, but it's not the same as the States. But food-wise, coming from, from the U.S., I really love baking chocolate chip cookies and it's they don't have full size chocolate chips here. At yes. least I've never seen them. No, you? you gotta no. I didn't know this. Yeah, <laughs> I definitely. If you love baking, that's that's something to consider. And also, brown sugar here is not the same thing. Brown sugar here is like raw, natural sugar that is brown. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so brown sugar is something that's hard to find here. Baking soda too, and measuring cups. Because you might think, okay, I'm going to be somewhere else with different measurements. I'll just use those. But your recipes are going to have cups and teaspoons if you're from the U.S. Yeah, so it's not a bad thing to bring with you. No, but once you get used to the grams and measuring it that way in one single bowl, it's a lot easier. So (laughs) don't give up on it. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, I know for me, though, another big thing that I thought about when I was moving over and now every time I go back, I thought I could leave my books at home. I thought that I can rent books from the library. It's not a big deal. And that's true. But I find myself bringing them over slowly because it's just like a comfort item for me. And I I think I tried to like downplay how important they were to Mm -hmm. me. So I would encourage people to like really think about what is important to you. Like you were saying clothes, like you like to have your your clothes in the certain styles that you can get in the states yeah for me it's it's the books and i think for everyone it's something different but just try to think about it and be honest with yourself because if you play it wrong then you're just gonna be sad i thought i could just build up my collection here and it would be the same but really it's it's that emotional attachment that i'm missing one other thing i will say is if you're a diyer or if you like to have decorations in your house here it's really hard to find that stuff for a good price. It's quite expensive to buy even a picture frame or a little sign for your wall. Whereas coming from the States, you can get those things sometimes for a few bucks. So larger things can be hard to bring here, but smaller things I would definitely maybe consider bringing with you because they are more expensive here. Or if you like to craft or anything, I would I would bring those little trinkets with you because the decoration stores here, they don't have options like the 99 cent store 
that transitions us perfectly. So we we got a more of a detailed situation that we, I wanted to run through. So a listener sent this in that her and her husband are moving to Germany for her husband's medical school, but he has to get to C2 level proficiency of German by May 2020. He is trying to save, or I think he has to save about 10 grand US dollars to get a German bank account because I think the student bank account, you have to have eight grand in it. That's a standard. Yeah eight grand in euros so yep about 10 grand us and then he's got to get a student visa once he gets accepted to the school but meanwhile she is trying to pay off student loans wants to save up 20k for the move and is still trying to figure out okay what makes more sense do i stay back in the states and work some more after he moves and then come over later um how do i get a job how do we find an apartment all that kind of stuff two of the things that she pointed to as concrete questions were the visa situation and what to do with the stuff and how to how to manage the move without depleting their savings. I think the visa question we touched on earlier, if you're married, even if you're both yeah. U.S. citizens, you can do, if he's here on a student visa, she should be able to come. Of course, we're not, this goes with all of this, we're not lawyers and this is just based on our experience and our own research, but um, it should be fine in terms of a visa. Yeah. Um, the stuff, we're radicals, both of us, I think, with stuff. <laughs> yes. <laughs> One suitcase, baby. That's it. That's all you yeah. need. <laughs> as much as you love your stuff, I mean, this is such a big move. Yes. And so much of it is having to leave certain things behind. And in this case, I think it makes a lot of sense to leave a lot of the furniture behind, not just out of price reasons, but also because the apartments are structured totally differently. And if you yes. have a big L-shaped couch... There's no guarantee that you're going to find an apartment that will fit it. And sure, you could hunt and hunt and find one, but do you really want to have that additional barrier to finding an apartment? Yes. And it can be hard to find an apartment here too. The cities can be busy. So absolutely, I feel like you you have to be kind of open-minded about that too and not too particular. So. Yeah. And they yeah. do have flea markets and Ikea and yes. different cheaper furniture options. Um, especially if you're in a university city, which there are just tons of university cities in Germany. Um, students are always going to be coming and going and leaving their things behind. Yeah. So I know maybe it sounds radical, but I would really encourage people to leave as much of their big furniture behind as they can. Yeah. Sell it if you need the money. Put it in storage if that's an option that feels more comfortable. But you're going to have to really push and really pay in order to make it work. And I don't, I don't, for me, I know it would not be worth it, but I suppose it's something everyone has to weigh out for themselves. Yeah. I know on Facebook also, there is a section where you can search for people selling their old furniture here, or maybe it was just partially used, you know, for a few months and then they, they ended up moving. So you can always search on there as well. And if you really, really want to make the move, I do know that there are larger companies that will ship all your stuff here, but it is quite expensive. So I think if you if you don't have the budget to do it, I would definitely recommend, like Nicole said, just finding it when you get here. Yeah, also being far away from home in the beginning, I had such a different idea of how I wanted to decorate my home. But when you're far away from your family, I find that also pictures and valuables or heirlooms are also something that's maybe maybe in the moment you think it's not something you want but it's maybe something to consider after a little while to feel like you have a piece of home with you um in terms of savings and money it is a lot of money that you need to get going and you have to keep in mind that the pay 
scale in Germany is just way lower. Like people yeah. make less money. It, it'll be okay. It's all part of that mindset change and like the culture change that you'll experience. But it really is worth it. And it's most people I know make way less than they made in the States, but are also feeling like they have way more yes. for their money. That being said, if you need to serve, save up a certain amount of money, then maybe it's not a bad idea to stay in the States a bit longer just because you'll get paid more and just start living on a budget now so that you can save that money up quicker. One last thing to this question, um, in terms of the C2 level of proficiency that um, the husband needs, but I would definitely encourage, um, in this case, the wife to also learn German, maybe not yes. to that quickly or to that level, but it would help both of you out a huge amount, especially with the job hunt. And especially if you're worried about making money, the more you can learn ahead of time, the easier it'll be. I would definitely recommend, depending on the timing you have and the finances, to take an in uh, or a face-to-face -face course. Because I tried doing online apps and Rosetta Stone and it was great, but I feel like what stepped up my German was having a face-to-face -face interaction with other people where you can push yourself to speak German with them constantly. And another option I would recommend if you can find a German in your area or there's websites online that do tandem over the internet, I would highly recommend finding a tandem partner one or two times a week for an hour to speak with. I think that's great advice. Yeah, and also it ties back into you got to invest some money in learning the language. There are also a lot of things that you can do that don't cost money, like a tandem, like engaging with different media, so movies, books, etc. I think a good healthy mixture of that is a good way to go about. Again, the husband who's got to get to C2, take all the classes that you can. That's yeah. a different situation. But for her situation, being money conscious, but also wanting to, to be placed in a good situation, I think it would be worth it to take you know, an evening class wherever they're living in the States or, or finding one online or something. But then additionally, do these extra things on your own to help round that out. Also, don't be scared to make the movement here because you're scared that you wouldn't be able to find a job opportunity. I mean, yes, it's situational, but I do think that there's plenty of options. And if you're moving to a bigger city where, I mean, we don't even live in a big city and English is so, I mean, I hear it every day when I'm walking on the street. So don't be scared to come here with your husband out of fear that you won't find a job opportunity. I really believe that if you come here or even if you come to visit him for a month or two to maybe even apply for jobs or uh, the first English job I got when I came here, I mean, I just made a resume. I went into different uh, teaching places and I just said, here's my resume. I don't have a ton of experience, but I'll teach a class for free if you want to see what I look like teaching. And that was how I got my first job. I mean, they weren't even hiring, but two weeks later, someone was off on vacation and they needed someone to cover a course. So she had me come in and check me out and then they liked me. So they kept me. So don't be scared to come and take your resume around and try it out. Yeah. I think that also ties back to the job advice earlier. Something that I forgot that I wanted to mention is Initiativsbewerbung, Bewerbungen. <laughs> um, so the unsolicited job applications in the U.S. that's a super weirdo thing to do in my experience like yes. you don't just find a company just write them like hey maybe you want to hire me I'm so great like you don't yeah. do that but here it really is normal and I know a lot of people who have done that that's actually partly how I got my job I just applied to 
the library generally. And in my situation, they happen to have a position that was open that fit me. I know other people who have experience at the place the employer creates a job for that person. If they really yeah. like your skills, it's not impossible. Nope. And that level of putting yourself out there, like what you just said, just walking into places and saying, hey, I'm here. Again, it is tough. It's tough. <laughs> you have to push through the fact that you think it's super weird and like the Germans call it like asocial, like it's not like a normal person thing to do. Yeah. Um, but A, it kind of is here. B, it works a lot of the time yes. and it's worth it. And in other experiences with other schools that I went to, even though they weren't hiring, they actually, I was just looking through my old emails today and I found an email uh, from one of the schools in this area. And the lady wrote me back with like five paragraphs of advice of what I could do with my visa and other jobs I could apply for and her recommendation for freelancing. So I also thought that was really nice that they gave that free advice. So that's really great. Yeah. I feel like the the real main piece of advice for this entire episode is put yourself out there. Yes, definitely. <laughs> Be bold. That is all we have time for today. So we are going to round the corner and head to home with our ending segment, which is called Zack, Zack, Zack. It is a rapid fire question round. So I'm going to ask you three questions that you're going to answer without thinking it, overthinking it. Just go with your gut. Now I feel nervous. <laughs> <laughs> this is also the season finale episode and coming out right in the middle of summer. So it's all summery themed. Yay. Yeah. What is your favorite summery snack? Oh, here in Germany? Yes. Oh, gelato for sure. Do you eat gelato? Oh, yes. Are you vegan? Most of the time. But <laughs> for gelato, I can I can make an exception. Very good. So <laughs> Number two. Where in the world is your favorite beach? Ooh, I think the nicest beach I've ever been to was in Australia, up in the north uh, above Cairns in an area called Daintree. I do not know what the name of it was, but it was kilometers long. There was nobody else on the beach and we were able to just have the whole thing to ourselves with bright blue water. Whoa, that's amazing. And finally, what is your personal song of the summer? Ooh, song of the summer. I think Sucker from the Jonas Brothers. I, <laughs> I have that stuck in my head quite often lately. <laughs> Very good. Thank you so much for coming on and doing this advice-themed episode. Yes, thank you for having me. It was so fun. Thanks again to Stacey for coming on and taking a stab at answering these questions. Thanks also to the people who sent us questions. It was a lot of fun to take them on. I hope we answered them well and to your satisfaction. <laughs> you can find us on Instagram and on Twitter at The Expat Cast. I'll keep those pages going during our season break and I'll also announce there when we'll be back with season three. You can also email us at any time at theexpatcast at gmail.com. Thank you, thank you, thank you to Gordon Eisenach, my partner in podcasting and in life, who is at the moment of me recording this intro in a hospital getting x-rays because he broke his wrist. So I'm going to go be a partner and not a podcaster. And here's to hoping that his wrist heals well. Thank you also to Amy Lungi Art for the logo and for hosting me on my recent trip to the States. Thanks for letting me crash on your couch. Thank you to Side Hug for the theme music. They're also on Instagram at a hug from the side. Next week, we won't be back in your feeds. Weird to say, but we'll be back in a couple of weeks with season three. Until then, have a wonderful summer.